Hello, good evening. Welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast. It is me, John Anderson, in the hot seat tonight. I am joined by two, two of my favourite guests. I'll be honest, boys. I'll, I'll give you a, a, a nice, pleasant intro whilst Manson's not here. Uh, I'm joined by Johnny McGinty. Johnny, how are you? Uh, here. No problems getting here for a change. So nice, is, is nice this, to be relegated to a guest as well. Is, uh, well, do you know, so, well, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're trying to get our terminology right. One day you'll be in the hot seat <laughs> and I'm sure I'll be, uh, I'll be, you'll, you'll bring that back up and I'll be definitely uh, a guest. I'll be heavy use of the word tolerated. Yes, yes. I'm tolerating my guest, John Anderson here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure that will happen. I'm, I'm loving the, what, what was your phrase? It's, it's better to be available than... Uh, Oh, oh, the best good. ability is availability. Uh, availability, that's the one. Yep, that's that's Johnny's motto for the podcast. Um, I'm also joined, delighted, Rory. You've made quite a few appearances recently. We're joined by Rory Baldwin. Hello. Good evening. It's uh, it's Six Nations time, so like I, I actually watch watch rugby. So, is this like? Are you similar to like, like Mariah Carey at Christmas? You know, you come out your kind cave. Of, kind of. I would say I'm a little bit like that. It's mostly just yeah. I don't get enough time to to watch all the. The URC, I almost called it the Pro 14 there. Um, ah, it's fine. So yeah, I don't, I don't feel, uh, I don't feel that I could hold down a hold down a spot when there's when there's nothing that I've seen. But yeah, during the Six Nations, I make an effort. The articles reappear. You, 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 ha- you have, you have Bible. listened and watched the podcast, right? So oh, you, have you, I? <laughs> you, say, you think that you're like, I, I can't possibly make an appearance on that highbrow, high quality product. Yeah. <laughs> Where I'm highly, highly, um, you know, I'm clearly not researched. Um, I yeah. Well, it's great to have you along, anyway, Rory. And what long may that continue? You know, make make an effort, even out with the Six Nations, if you will. Like some Scottish fans, we will come to that in due course. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, if you're joining us for the first time, good evening, welcome. Um, yeah, I don't know how you've stumbled upon us, but if you have, it's lovely to have you along. Um, if you're liking what you're seeing or you've been with us a wee while and you want to, you know, support the podcast a wee bit, head over to patreon.com slash Scottish Rugby Podcast, where you can subscribe for exclusive content. Uh, for £3 a month, you'll get yourself um, lots of lots of fun shenanigans, including uh, our hands in the ruck section. After, after the live pod tonight, we'll go on and we'll do uh, a bit more for the Patreons. And that'll include their hands in the ruck section, where we'll just cut loose a wee bit. And I've already kind of prepped Johnny a wee bit with uh, my, my hands in the ruck tonight. I'm cutting loose. There is there is nothing is sacred tonight. It's getting we're we're going hard, so it should be a belter. Um, and I'm sure anyone that's got a view on perhaps some refereeing at the weekend might also uh, have a hands in the ruck at some point today. But we we're tonight we're going to look at the. The Scotland Wales game, obviously, um, and might have a big question mark and go WTF. Um, but first of all, we'll just cover some news. Um, we was going to cover it in the main bit, but we'll just speak about it briefly. Obviously, there was injuries at the weekend, Johnny, um, Richie Gray and um, Luke Crosby. Both went down. I'm struggling for a name there. I was like, it doesn't, it doesn't strike me as a look. That's the problem. It doesn't look like a look. Um but uh, yeah, so uh, Big Richie is out for the Six Nations and Luke Crosby is out for the duration of the Six Nations because obviously SRU couldn't say the same thing twice in a sentence. <laughs> uh, what, what's your take on it? Big, big loss, obviously. Richie's the, the, the massive loss, obviously. Yeah, I mean, 
Richie Gray is a is a like there's no two ways around it. He's a huge loss. Um, second row is one place where you'd look second row and front row probably tight five. You're looking at Scotland and going, uh, so there are some great players, but there's not a lot of depth. And Richie Gray definitely falls into great players. And we are now like a bit sketch for depth. You know, we've got Sam Skinner there to cover. Uh, Gilko's back from his shenanigans in the European games. Scott Cummings has obviously been playing well, but there is literally basically no one behind that. So it is a bit of a worry. Uh, Crosby, I thought, played really well on the weekend, but I'd say just, just purely because of how much competition we've got in the back row, that's not as much of a worry, I wouldn't think. Would you, would you agree with that point, Rory? Is is, is Crosby the, the lesser of two weevils? Yeah, I think uh, good master and commander reference there. Um, <laughs> right, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, we can we can probably cope with that a little uh, a little more easily. Um, it's sort of delivered unto us the the kind of back row mix that we were hoping for anyway, with um, which I'm sure we'll come on to later. But yeah, yeah I think he he did actually have a, he had a, a pretty good game. He was probably going to be starting again this week if if he um, if he stayed fit. So he'll he'll be gutted because I think he was raging after uh, after last last week. Uh, last year, rather, when he played the first two and then got dropped. Um, so, yeah, I think um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see um, how the new blend goes. But yeah, we've got so many informed back rowers, we can kind of kind of cope with it. I think. Unlike, yeah, unlike the locks, where they've called up two guys to train with Scotland, who are presumably nowhere near selection. But you see, and this goes back to why I don't appear on the podcast in the off season. I'd, ne- I'd never, he- I'd never heard of them. And they're both apparently locks. And I think they're both from Glasgow, are they? They are both. Yeah. yeah so I, I yeah, would Max say... Williamson and Alex Samuel. Yeah. Sorry, guys, so ba- ba- no, you're all right. Really. Based based in form, actually, someone prior to the Six Nations squads being announced actually suggested that uh, Williamson and Samuel are probably desperately unlucky not to be in and around the squad. So it's good to have been called up because uh, their form for Glasgow, particularly over the last maybe month or so, I think they've really shown, you know, Franco Smith bled them into the team really well and they've really kind of hit their hit their strides and they both look very talented players actually. So great, great news for Scotland moving forward. And if they can avoid the, you know, um, the curse uh, that, that sometimes befalls Scottish players who, who get, uh, you know, game time nice and young and then, and then become... Um, they sort of, sort of fall off the radar quite quickly. Um, I think I think they'll be well managed at Glasgow, and they, they look decent prospects. So yeah, let's let's hope no, but let's hope no other second rows go down because we are down to the bare bones. Um, you know how fit is Johnny Gray? Is you know is his injury really as bad as all that? Can he not just shake it off? Is he still uh, alive? Well, that is the question. Who spotted Johnny Gray recently? If you've seen Johnny Gray recently, can you please? This is a welfare check. Can you just let us know he's okay? Yeah. <laughs> Brutal silence there. Uh, right. <laughs> so let's let's also talk about some some cracking news for the women's game. Uh, so just a couple of days ago, Sarah Cox, um, the first professional female referee, uh, received her MBE over at Windsor Castle from uh, Prince William, because um, obviously. Um, you know, King Charles is not uh, not doing public things at the moment because he's obviously got his illness concerns to um, to work through. But uh, I mean, I mean, amazing again. Just 
like the growth of the women's game, Johnny, and we, we talk about it all the time, and obviously we've we've had people, you know, sensible people celebrate the, the growth of the women's game. You get some absolute knuckle-draggers that think it's just a waste of resources. But seeing, you know, Sarah get, getting getting that recognition for a, for a very good career so far, it, it's brilliant. Oh, yeah, it, it's fantastic. And she deserves every single bit of it because she did some amazing stuff. She was the first female referee involved in a men's match. She's paved the way for a lot of other people. Um, people like Joy Neville and obviously our very own Holly Davidson have got a lot to thank her for. And, you know, I don't think that, that they'll be very far behind, to be honest, because they're now some of the best referees in the world. I think it's not going to be long before you see probably Holly taking charge of a men's Six Nations match. And to think that that Sarah was the first professional female referee and it was only a handful of years ago the yeah. the way that the women's game and women's officiating in particular has come in such a short time is brilliant and hopefully it continues yeah well that, well that's it rory it's the the absolute speed of development and the fact you know you're seeing you know particularly down south the way the you know the red roses are, are selling out crowds and getting massive interest in the game um my my hands are up me also uh be about the women's game up in Scotland, but you know, like we're we're real, we are starting to see like really that kind of tide change where we're we're going to we're going to see the women's game completely explode and hopefully be the absolute top quality product that it is. I love watching women's rugby; it's so good. Yep, it's 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 great. I really enjoyed the the WXV uh, last year, and looking forward, you know, looking forward to the Six Nations two tough fixtures that our ladies have got but yeah i think i mean there was a an interview with emma or on the edinburgh socials this week just talking about how the game has kind of exploded in the last five years and i think yeah it's on a massive a massive trajectory but that's fueled by by women and girls who are wanting to play it yeah um, i mean it's growing at, 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 in terms of player numbers as well i mean there was a few years ago they they had the stat that it was the fastest growing sport in new zealand was women's rugby that's right um, yeah so yeah, I think it's it's great. You just have to um, swerve the uh, the likes of Mister Mister John Devereux, who doesn't want women's pundits commentating on men's rugby. I don't know if you saw that. What? Yeah, yeah. clunchy. Yeah. Worth pointing out as well that um, Glasgow are doing uh, Club of Origin night before yeah. the Dragons game, and they've started with the women's team. Yeah, they they done that is, the other day, didn't they? Yeah, yeah it was really which good. Is yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's great to see, and I think that goes back, Johnny, to what we said right at the start when the the Celtic Challenge stuff was expanded and Glasgow and Edinburgh announced women's teams for the first time. It's back to that ability to brand it as one club and have you know all the social media backing that Glasgow and Edinburgh have got behind them, but put that towards the the women's game. It's it's fantastic and so exciting to see. So. So obviously we've talked about referees, right? We've talked about a few a few top quality referees there. So let's segue beautifully into Saturday, shall we? Now let's talk about Scotland Wales. Um, jo Johnny, do you want to? First of all, you were at the game, Johnny. So do you, do you want just? Yeah, I, I was going to say, do you want to share some of your journey, or would you would you like to save that for later? No, no. Let's talk about it because we um. There was quite a few uh, listeners and patrons in the same boat as me, so there'll be some people <laughs> who could relate to this. I travelled down 
on Saturday morning. I was meeting uh, Cammy and Craig and a few other friends in Cardiff on Saturday lunchtime. Um, got on our flight, which was leaving Edinburgh at half past eight Saturday morning. Uh, met lovely listener Dan and his partner Jen, who I was travelling down with, or getting a car from Bristol to Cardiff with. Nice. Uh, met uh, how scrum coach Hendo, who's another pod lister and a, a good pal of Craig's, on the same flight. We're sat there ready to go. Uh, 20 past eight, ready to take off from Edinburgh. And the captain comes on and says, uh, we've been asked to, to just sit here for half an hour because there's some weather at Bristol. So we'll get taken off at nine o'clock. Okay, fine. Comes back on the radio five past nine. You might have noticed we haven't taken off yet. There's still weather in Bristol. We've been asked for another half an hour. Right, okay. Uh, 20 to 10. You might have noticed we've still not taken off yet. Uh, I've been told the weather at Bristol isn't clearing. Uh, at the moment, I think there's about a 10% chance that I'll get to land in Bristol. At this point, if you want to get off, you're welcome to get off. Uh, once, everyone who, once everyone who wants to get off is off, we're going to give it a go and see what happens. So <laughs> we, a few of us kind of sat there, had a chat. Uh, me and Hendo, me and Dan and Jen couple of other people who were on the flight about 70 percent of the flight they told us got off when we got the chance <laughs> we finally took off at five past ten we were supposed to land in bristol at quarter to ten originally finally took off at five past ten uh the captain i have to say a solid gold shout out for the lady who was captain on our flight because she was absolutely brilliant um came out to speak to everyone in the galley, answered all our questions, was very straightforward, very forthright, said, this is what's going to happen. These are the options. Here's what we might try and do. So I said to her, you know, like, if we get diverted, where's it going to be to and what's our ETA? And she said, probably London, but I don't know. I was like, right, okay. That's because it's getting quite squeaky bum time now. Um, she said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to muck around with Bristol. If I get there and it looks like we're not getting landed, I'm not going to circle for an hour. I'm going to go straight somewhere else because it gives you a chance to get in there. Because basically everyone who stayed on the flight was going to the game. <laughs> so she, she started a descent into Bristol at about 20 past 11. Got maybe halfway down, I think, took one look at Bristol and went, yeah, that's not happening. Went back up again, diverted us to Gatwick. We landed in Gatwick at 10 past 12 uh, and basically split ourselves into groups of five or six on the runway at Gatwick. So uh, me, Dan, Jen, uh, a couple of other guys we met, Robert and Ali, and an older guy whose name I didn't catch, which was really bad of me, um, split ourselves into a group of six and we all went and split off into Ubers and we sat in an Uber for three hours from Gatwick oh. to Cardiff and landed in, arrived in Cardiff at five past four in the afternoon. So the other person who deserves a shout out is our amazing Uber driver, Magic, who had not the foggiest idea of what was going on, had no idea why he was driving from Gatwick to Cardiff, had even less of an idea of why his car was literally bouncing on the M4 because we made him put on five live. And when Italy went 10 nothing up against England, we were <laughs> mental. Six of us going off our heads at this Uber and he had not a clue what was happening. But he got us there in time for kickoff, so we were there. But it was... Uh, yeah, quite the journey. <laughs> dare, dare I ask the question on everyone's lips? Three hundred and twenty pounds. Oh, but we split it between we split it between six of us, so it wasn't too that's, bad. That's like, a little bit. Yeah, fifty odd yeah. each. Yeah, I was going to say if there was that many, you could you not have like hired an actual coach bet between all like planes? Worth we did think about that, but then we weren't sure like 
what the time of that would be because the Ubers picked us up like five minutes after we landed. Yeah, okay. just just hire a car and run it straight over. Some people did. Hendo and his group hired a car because I thought about doing that. I was originally I had car hire booked at Bristol Airport and I was yeah. going to just go to the Alamo just... desk and get it changed. But the car hire because we were picking it up one place and dropping it off another was like two hundred and fifty quid and then yeah. fuel. So we figured we'll just get someone else to drive us instead. Seems reasonable. And Seems you can reasonable. stop at a motorway service station for a few tinnies. Oh, so we did. I forgot about this. <laughs> we stopped uh, to fuel up the car and for all of us to get something to eat because I was supposed to be meeting Cami and Craig and, and Lee from Blood and Mud and Steph from Rock and Roll and a bunch of people for brunch in Cardiff on Saturday. I didn't eat in the airport on Saturday morning, so it got to three o'clock in the afternoon and I hadn't eaten anything. Uh, and I thought I'm going to be, I'm going to start sinking pints as soon as I get to Cardiff. The way this is going, I better put some food in my face. So we stopped and we bought like sandwiches and stuff. And the entire Hell's Angels Wales chapter were in the same service station. Oh. So we got out, <laughs> six of us got out in our Scotland tops and there's like 40 Harleys parked in front of us and all boys with cuts that said Hell's Angels Wales on the back. And I was just like, Jesus, I could, literally couldn't get any worse. I thought it couldn't get any worse and then it did. And then I was like, well, now surely it can't get any worse. And then and it just kept getting worse until eventually... Did you, did did you knock their bikes over and run away like uh, Smokey and the Bandit? <laughs> <laughs> Great reference. Or well, like one, of, one of those Burt Reynolds films. Well, it, 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 I mean, it did get worse. And then it got better, Johnny, because obviously <laughs> you, you arrived at the stadium. You arrived in time. And Scotland, Rory, Scotland's first half. Scotland in control. Uh, Wales looking at, like a team that had literally met in the pub. Prior to the game, Scotland, Finn Russell controlling things. Uh, you know, h- how good a first half was that? Was it, was it Scotland being really, really ruthless or were Wales absolutely dug? It's difficult to say. I mean, yeah, John, Johnny's uh, experience actually mirrors it quite well because Wales did play like a bunch of guys who met on met on an airplane <laughs> with, with a common goal <laughs> but, but without really knowing each other. Um, and then obviously the the time ticking on and the sinking feeling in Johnny's stomach was obviously what we all got to in the second half, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. I mean, the, the first, first half was, um, yeah, it was exactly what, what we wanted. It was kind of surprising because it was Scotland starting off a six nations exactly as we expected and kind of hoped. Um, Finn and Ben White were amazing in terms of the way they controlled their the way they wanted to the way Scotland wanted to play the game and kind of forced Wales to to play into their hands, which which worked pretty well. Um, and Wales Wales's plan didn't wasn't really set up to whatever they were doing. It wasn't set up to um, cause us much in the way of trouble at that point. Um, it was yeah, it was about as about as good as you could expect. But as you say, you you do have to kind of take the the quality of the opposition into account. Uh, no disrespect to Wales, they took a while to to sort of get settled into the game. Um, they didn't really have the crowd that that much behind them for the you know the, once they, they were everyone was kind of shell shocked. I think because it wasn't while we got exactly what we wanted and expected, they didn't. Um, well, I, I, that was what I was going to ask actually, Rory. You've touched on that beautifully, Johnny. Like during that first half, how how was the stadium? You know, roof closed, um, Wales. Not necessarily, you know, they're they're coughing up opportunities uh, through. I mean, I think I think nine and ten were a problem for Wales, and it really was quite a 
contrast to the way Ben White and Finn Russell were playing. But so, how, how was it in the stadium? How, what was the noise levels like? Uh, for large parts of it, close to silent. I think if there hadn't uh, been so many Scottish people, it would have been. I was sitting beside uh, Grav from Rock and Roll, uh, and he said to me, "This is the worst atmosphere I've ever experienced in this stadium." Yeah. And I was a bit like, "Well." Understandably, because you lot are rotten. <laughs> you probably yeah, I mean, didn't. Uh, you probably weren't very nice. I'm sure. He's, he said to me at halftime. Uh, Steph said, "What can we realistically do to make this second half bearable?" And I said, "Opiates." <laughs> that was like that. That summed up sitting watching Wales in that first half because I actually almost felt bad for him. It was yeah. brutal. It was pretty bad, wasn't it? Um, where, where do you think, Rory, it went wrong for Wales in that first half? Like there was individual errors, but was it was it a case of was it was it Gatlin Ball finally being discovered for the absolute tripe it is, or is it just a combination of, of various things? Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not sure. Gatlin seemed to suggest afterwards that the the idea to throw it about was what, what he really wanted to see, but ha! it didn't, it didn't oh, seem that it way, did it? No. Um, and yeah, it was it, it was you know the the guys on the commentary, even Jonathan Davis managed to identify it. It was just that their kicking wasn't like their kick chase wasn't wasn't strong enough. They were sort of they had a plan that might have worked, but they weren't executing it well enough. Um, whether that's nerves or inexperience, um, not sure. Or you know, I mean, Scotland were putting a lot of pressure on them. Scotland's defence kind of out out wide. The, the kind of uh, Hugh Jones, Sione, Kyle Stain, in those in those channels, um, worked re- was working really well. It was shutting them down. They weren't getting any space, um, so when they were trying to go wide, they were getting kind of knocked back into their shell, maybe, um, which is obviously that started working for them in the second half. Um, but yeah, I think Scotland just were were putting the right amount of pressure on at, and picking their picking their moments. There weren't Scotland weren't forcing it. Well, certainly we are. Um, where, where are their signs in that first half, Johnny? I mean, it looked for most people to be the perfect first half, but I've seen a few people say on a second watch that there were signs that, you know, Scotland, there was there was a couple of things that Scotland were doing that could potentially lead to, you know, if, if, a, if a ball sticks or, you know, someone keeps giving back chat to the referee, that there could be issues in the second half. You know, you you've watched the game back. Is that identifiable? Is that something we we can see, or is it are as people nitpicking? I think the reason that you see it or that you pick it up on a second watch is that if you know how the game went, yeah. there's kind of <laughs> little elements. I don't think anyone was saying at half time, "Oh, I'm worried about that." Oh, I'm worried about that. Knowing what happens in the second half, I think there are there are little bits where you can go, "Oh." I wonder if that's going to come back to bite them. No, knowing that it did, I think if you didn't know it was going to happen, it, it was very difficult to spot. Yeah, halftime we were 100% saying, we're landing at Bristol, not a problem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> very, very good. But uh, yeah, so I mean, the second half, Rory, um, Scotland kick off. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Like, Duhan scores and all, all is rosy. Uh, we're three tries up. We're going for the the bonus point. I mean, did you guys not stop watching at that point? 
because uh, I'm pretty sure not, like it wasn't going to be a much of a game at that point, Rory, was it? I've learned never to stop watching after I told everyone to switch off at halftime in the Scotland England 38. Yeah, I, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like watching, I was watching it back today, and Wales were on a yellow card warning after seven minutes forty-five on the clock, and I don't understand how the and watching it back, I still don't understand how they managed to kind of swing the momentum in terms of the referee and the way that the, what the referee was seeing uh, to swing it back in their favour. So, so kind of, I don't know about convincingly, but sort of uh, so that it was kind of, it seemed so one-sided so that basically the referee was only seeing whether, whether that was because O'Keefe felt sorry for them. I don't know. You do sometimes feel that with, sometimes see that with referee, like in, like in the world cup, when you see, uh, as we've got here, a tier one nation, um, um, like a, a tier two point five nation. You know, the sorry, Wales. Um, the sometimes the referee will kind of give them a bit more leeway than than they will the the professionals, if you like. Um, but I, I I wouldn't have thought that that happened. I mean, yeah, Scotland were were skating skating on some very very thin ice, and Johnny's right. If you watch that first half back, there were a few. Uh, like there was that the the Crosby hit that oh, you've yeah, seen that yeah. given as a as a yellow or a red plenty of times. Um, there was there was a couple of seatbelt tackles. I'm not sure if they were in the first or second half, but like Scotland maybe rode their luck with O'Keefe a bit, um, or so maybe in his head subconsciously he's thinking, well, actually I've you know I've been fairly lenient, but they are definitely offside here, so I'm going to ping them, ping them, ping them, ping. Um, because it's re- like watching it back, it's really hard to identify. It. And actually, it's only um, like a, it, the the second try is at like forty two minutes, and then the conversion takes like another two minutes. So if you if you actually, it's not even the whole second half. It's twenty five, twenty five, yeah, twenty seven minutes maybe. Yeah, yeah. Of it's, it, it's, where yeah. Wales are just on the up, the crowd are screaming them on, and Scotland are, are kind of Scotland are looking tired. Um, which isn't something we've really seen from them. Uh, that that was concerning, actually. And they had uh, that see... was bef- that was almost a lot of that was before they'd even gone down to fourteen men. Yeah, you know, start. We've we've seen this before, though, haven't we, Johnny, with Ben O'Keefe? That we and I think we called it in the chat prior to the game. Um, and if it wasn't this match, we've certainly called it prior to other games. That he's a he's a referee that gets caught away. He, he gets caught up with what's going on in the crowd. He'll tend to follow what's going on and if there's a swell of emotion, he tends to get an idea in his head at that point and then there's no swaying him from that idea, no matter what's actually happening on the park. Which, whisper it, doesn't sound like it's a very good attribute for a referee, but um, do you think that's what happened at the weekend? Did he get caught up in the, the principality atmosphere? possibly I mean the atmosphere was markedly and noticeably different once they yeah. started scoring like bouncing and, and that is a difficult thing for anyone to contend with you know there's like 75 odd thousand people there um, I think what kind of went in Scotland's favour is that through all of that and we'll probably talk about uh, how he dealt with the rest of his players but Finn kept the head with Ben O'Keefe really well, I thought. Um, 
you know, it would have been easy for someone, <laughs> Jamie, to start to like, start to get ratty with a referee who was acting like that. And it was a lot of penalties for Scotland in a row with none for Wales. But the way that Finn had taken it up with the Scotland players but left, hadn't, hadn't taken it out on the ref, I think probably made a huge difference because it could well have been even worse. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one, isn't it, Rory? Let, let, let's talk about Finn Russell's captaincy at, just now. Um, we are trying to keep this to a tight 40, so we'll do a couple of minutes on this and then we'll preview the France game. Um, Finn, Finn Russell's captaincy, I, I, I thought incredibly mature. Um, the, you know, the, the type of captain we expect him to be, very, very good with referee, and anyone saying he's not captaincy material is an absolute zoomer and should get in the sea. Get the sea. Uh yeah, I mean I think um he 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 was excellent. Um the way that he talks to the referees, it's not sort of it's not confrontational. Um he, he kind of he so he played he played that role really well. I mean you watch him even there's maybe people saying, Oh, you need a you need a big second role like Martin Johnson that'll intimidate a referee and that might have come in useful during that period where we're getting loads of penalties against us. Yeah. But that's the like I mean, people will have a pop at, at Ben O'Keefe because um, there were so many in one direction and none in yeah. the other direction. And while the lack of penalties for Wales is kind of slightly ridiculous, most of the ones against Scotland were deserved. You know, there is, they weren't. They yeah. weren't like they weren't rubbish decisions. They were probably the right decisions. It's just really, really odd that there weren't any in the other direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. You may Finn maybe. Maybe could have uh, could have said that to him, but yeah, I think he 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 know he knows he knows his moments to pick to go up. I mean, that was something something else that was noticeable in the first half was Finn seemed to have the ref in his back pocket. He was always chatting to him. They were get, they were getting on well, and everything was kind of everything was coming up Scotland. Yeah. Um, he kicked a hundred percent of his uh, of his goals. It didn't seem like there weren't. It was it wasn't until sort of late in maybe his second yellow card. Where you saw a kind of Finn brain fart happen, there were only probably maybe two of them in the whole game. I thought there was a couple of kind of Keystone Cops mix-ups where the the passes were a bit wonky and the ball ended up gobbling about on the ground, and you're thinking, "Oh, here we go." But other than that, I think like his his control in the first half, some like that fifty twenty two that ended up in a penalty. Oh. You know, there was some there was some lovely stuff, and um, I don't think. We've, we've said it before that sometimes the captaincy is, is a bit of a heavy burden on, on some players. Um, like it didn't really work for Hoggy. Um, I think Finn seems to be handling it handling it fine. I think probably because he's a student of the game, he just it's it's less about being a leader than just about being kind of a good a good communicator and knowing having a really good sense of where he is in the game, where the whole you know where the game is flowing and stuff ebbing and flowing. Well, it's it's obviously part of his game as a ten, isn't it? To to yeah. communicate um, communicate with the, with his troops at all times. Um, let's, you know, obviously Wales got within a point. Scotland nearly got the bonus point at the end, Johnny. But that, I mean, opportunity lost probably. I think is despite the Wales comeback, Scotland still come away with four points. We would have taken that probably at the start, but. Opportunity lost with a bonus point. I mean, what, are you are you disappointed with the result? If you take away the crazy Wales comeback, yeah, I'd have liked the bonus point. I think uh, at half time we were looking 
pretty good for a bonus point. Yeah. I think a bonus point would be useful. That said, you know, maybe not everyone's going to get a bonus point against Wales. I and I know it's going to sound like I'm still just bashing Wales, even though Wales Week's finished, but. I went into the tournament thinking that, that Wales was almost an, an easy five points in the way that Italy would be. Yep. Now, I don't think either of those teams look like an easy five points for anyone. No, Ireland I, probably I, will get five against them all. We'll see what happens. And that's yeah, that's the other thing. If I mean, if we're talking about, yeah, we might finish looking to finish somewhere between second and fourth in the in the table, then yeah, bonus points can't. But if you're looking to top the table... Us needing a bonus point for that to have any effect would probably mean Ireland losing twice, which doesn't look, you know, obviously in the in the ideal dream scenarios that we beat them in the the game at the end, and at that point there's something on the line. Um, but yeah, the the lack of a bonus point, a few people pointed it out. It's only going to come down to it in terms of deciding lesser positions, and yeah, who cares? Right. So what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to uh, we'll, we'll talk very briefly about the France game just in the next couple of minutes, and then we're going to move over to our Patreon content. Um, we will release an only only fins <laughs> our, our only fins style preview. We're going to try and do an only fins preview for the France game tomorrow. Um, again, that is for our Patreon. So if you want to get involved in that, you know you know what to do. I've already told you, um, Johnny. Quickly, France after getting absolutely battered by Ireland. In no short um, reasoning, um, but due, due to Paul Villemis, Villemsa, uh, and his inability to understand how to tackle, um, what sort of France are we going to see at Murrayfield quickly, and uh, are Scotland going to win? Uh, I think a France that's absolutely fuming, uh, one that's had an absolutely miserable week having things thrown at them by Sean Edwards, um, <laughs> but I also think that uh, it's a Scotland who, judging by Gregor Townsend's press conference on Saturday, um, is disappointed that they didn't win more handily, thinks that they have got things that they need to take care of. Um, It's a Scotland back row with quite a lot of edge to it. I think it's going to be a war on Saturday afternoon. Um, If we we play first half of Saturday, which I'm expecting us to, I think we could probably take it, but it could genuinely go either way. And, and Rory, your thoughts on um, on the weekend? What, what are we expecting to see from Scotland uh, to combat that French six-two split? Yeah, no, I mean, not too uh, not too many changes to the to the teams. Um, I think I think speed. Ironically, having looked having looked gas about the hour mark against Wales, um, one of the the kind of the differences between between Scotland and France recently when when Scotland have managed to turn them over um I think it's uh it's been kind of fitness you know they've been trying to play at pace um France obviously you know they've got bags of talent in that backline but um it'll be interesting you know obviously we know DuPont's not going to be there um is that going to temper their their kind of approach because it could turn into like a crazy game of game of flair and that would be uh, you know amazing amazing to watch it could potentially be one of the the games of the tournament um although the weather may play a play a a role unless finn gets his cling film roof well you know what Uh, a polybag roof might be the solution who knows 
Um, but we we are we're going to we're going to call it a day at that. Um, we're going to head over to our Patreon content now. Um, we will do. We've actually we've we've been deliberating behind the scenes, and so we'll do an OnlyFans preview tomorrow. Um, we'll pop that out for everyone. Uh, so you can see what OnlyFans is about and see if we can entice you along to watch some Patreon content in the future. Um, but for now, it is goodbye for from myself. It's goodbye from Johnny and goodbye from Rory. Goodbye. Bye, all. <laughs>